Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, welcome back to Beyond Sunday. Thanks for joining us again. Randy, people watch this. They do. And listen, surprisingly. Yeah, I hope it helps. I think it's because of my jokes. I think that's probably the reason. <laughs> uh, you're no playing doubt. with me. Yeah, no doubt no, about that. No, no, no. Folks are waiting for those. I don't have a joke, so Good. sorry to let everybody down. Excellent. And sorry to, or there you go. That was for you. Excellent. I did not let you down. Um, so week two in Matthew, mm-hmm. we're in the second half of chapter one. And are you ready? Let's talk genealogies for a few minutes. So uh, a couple questions uh, came in from one of our listeners and just talking about the lineage here. So Matthew chapter one follows Joseph's lineage, mm-hmm. but as we know, he's not the biological father. Mm-hmm. So how does Jesus fulfill, how does he fulfill this lineage? Why does Matthew even go to Joseph if his human father isn't his biological father? What's the deal? Yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate the thinking about the genealogy. Uh, let me first say that this is one of the reasons why, um, I'm sure I mentioned this the other day, but I'm not sure at what venue, but it is very difficult to try to apply some of these gospel narratives like this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the first thing is when we look at the genealogy, we have to ask the question, why is Matthew shaping it the way he is? Yeah. What's his theological reason for doing it? Because mm-hmm. the record, I was just reading earlier uh, today, uh, just reading about the uniqueness of the way in which history is recorded in a gospel. Mm-hmm. And so remember that what we're doing is we're actually reading a gospel like we're listening to a sermon. Yeah. It's designed to transform us. So, uh, but I, I, am, I mean, I certainly appreciate the, the thoughts about the genealogy. And so the answer to the question uh, goes back to Matthew's intention of making sure that we know that Jesus is in the right royal line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I joked to the folks on Sunday, I've, you know, the week before, I forgot to read verse six, skipped right over it. And um, so I think, I think what, you, what you have is you have this line from David, the son of David is the first reference in verse one, and mm-hmm. that's really the trigger for us. So you have verse one, and then when you get down to the, I don't know if it's verse 15 or 16, where it's listing Joseph. So Joseph becomes the, as I said on Sunday, he's, um, and the word, I guess the word would be, he's the civil father, or he's the father, as one scholar put it, civilly, C-I-V-I-L-L-Y, he's mm-hmm. the civil father father. I, w- I would just stick with, he's the legal father of yeah. Jesus, which mm-hmm. puts him legally in the line. Someone asked me the other day uh, about, well, there, then, you know, there's no DNA, there's no Joseph DNA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it's a great comment. Uh, evidently, it's not important though, to the theological, um, the theological presentation of Jesus being uh, David's son, King David's son. So we have uh, a son of David now uh, ruling on the throne. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the importance of uh, moving to Joseph as he's in this long line of, of the uh, uh, long line of a family that was 
the recipient of these great promises, mm -hmm. which explain, I mean, I'm going to hopefully keep trying to do this throughout the series, but everything about our Christian experience is, is defined by those promises. And I'll try mm -hmm. again on Sunday to define uh, or describe the, uh, why is the rule of God so important in our lives? Why is his, the return of the King to use, a, I think that was a, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. reference mm -hmm. uh, or a title of one of them, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, why is the return of the king so important for us and how does that frame our Christian existence? Joseph's important because he's he's in the right line. Mm -hmm. That's really all I could get from it. Yeah. And, and you said you did some reading on this too for I, a little bit. So, well, yeah. So, a little I bit later. One comment and then a question. Yeah. I think you pointed it out though, but it's worth highlighting. The first century readers and writer mm -hmm. uh, have a totally different angle on things than we do. Oh so they're not thinking about DNA and biology the same way that, that we do. No. So that's worth referencing. That's good. And maybe to tag on to that, and we might get there later here, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's worth reminding ourselves, what is, what is this intended to do? It's not intended to trace DNA like uh, what's that? you know, ancestry.com right. is. Um, so that's totally different. Yeah. But my question then to follow up is Luke's genealogy is different. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them start with, not start necessarily, mm -hmm. but, you know, working down through the, you know, the generations, they go through Joseph, but they track differently. And mm -hmm. I think the dividing point is at Solomon. One follows Solomon's mm -hmm. son, the king and the other one, you know, one of the kings, and then the mm. other one follows down through um, his son, Nathan. And mm. so you're getting a total different lineage. So we've got two different, mm -hmm. this gets to actually the, what's the, what's it trying yeah. to do, yeah. but what's the deal there? We've got two different genealogies. All right. All right. So I, I appreciate the thinking about what is it, what is it attempting to do? That goes back to some of our teacher training that we did the other day, where we talk about the intentionality of a text. And so God writes, um, you know, God through Matthew writes a particular kind of genealogy. And mm -hmm. we know from this genealogy that everything is headed towards um, the end of exile. So the Davidic king, in this case, uh, Jesus, and this is Matthew 1, uh, verse 16. So uh, verse 16, Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So the Messiah, the Messiah king arrives in this line, which started with the son of David. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, move to the son of Abraham. And then from Abraham on is the genealogy. We get David again in verse six. Mm -hmm. And then we head towards this deportation language. So we know that Matthew's saying the return of the king means the end of exile for God's people. Mm -hmm. So for us, that's critical because we're placing our hope. Our ultimate hope is in the king, in King Jesus, who ends our powerlessness and ends our poverty yeah. in a spiritual sense. Now what we have with the return of the King is we have the opportunity to flourish in a badly broken world. Mm -hmm. And so we'll continue to flesh that out. So Matthew wants us to know that you get the de the deportation is done and remember the 14 generations, which I was asked again on Sunday, uh, someone asked about it again. And uh, I said, remember that that's probably King off from David's name, the three Hebrew consonants that make up his name mm -hmm. 
add up the numeric value of the three consonants yeah. adds up to 14. And so what we're seeing is emphasis on David, the king, yeah. so that we know that Jesus is now fulfilling all of those promises that were made to David. Okay. Let me pause you for a second. Yeah. Tell everybody the the Hebrew language does not have numbers like we do. Their numbers are also letters, correct? Well, well they, I mean, they have numbers, but the, 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 main, uh, the main thing in this is that... How would you write a Hebrew number? Uh, Isn't they, it a they letter in the alphabet? No, they have words for them. Like, yeah. So so they don't have... So when you say the numeric value yeah, of David's so name, that doesn't make sense. No, well, the, uh, you know, to put it in... Uh, how do you put it? Yeah, you'd go DVD. <laughs> I'm just doing it in English. Right, because there's no... DVD, if you did... If you did that actually works. If you do DVD, the Ds on either end... I think are I think are four. Uh, what's the math? Four, four, and six. What's four, four, and six? Fourteen. Fourteen. Good. Yes. So I, I couldn't remember exactly how we did this, but so you have D, V, which would be what? Six. Eight, uh, four, six, four. and four <laughs> equals fourteen. Yes. So the so the letters the con the Hebrew consonants equal. A numeric value. They have a numeric value. Yeah. The, so the that's four, the, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. The Hebrew consonants have a numeric they value. They do, but they so are. when I say the letter D, no one thinks of a number. They just think of the letter D. Right. But the Hebrews, these guys, Matthew, mm -hmm. when they see the letter, yeah. the Hebrew letter for yeah. what is it, Dalit or uh -huh. something? Dalit. Yeah. They Good. see four. Yep. At the same time, yep. it's one or the other. They decipher it. And so there's, I mean, there's a lot of Hebrew stuff going on in the Old Testament that people are like, mm -hmm. you know, beautiful mind kind of stuff playing yeah. around with, mm -hmm. with the uh, Old Testament. But mm -hmm. and Russell Crowe could play Moses. He probably or was it could. no uh, no he played Noah. Yeah, he did. did he the, play Noah. Yes, I think so. Did he do the Beautiful Mind too? Is that Russell Crowe? I thought. Man, this is this is working out. Yeah. We, we know what we're doing around we here. We do know what we're doing. All right. So, but I think that also yeah. just points to the fact, because one of the things I think is worth mm -hmm. pointing out mm -hmm. is what is what is the Bible? What is it and what oh, is yeah. it not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because our 21st century American mind, yeah. we are That's looking, good. we're asking questions that Matthew is not trying to answer. Right. And Luke's not trying to answer. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things where you see two different genealogies and we, yeah. we go, Oh my goodness! Yeah, one of these is wrong. The Bible is inaccurate. And yeah, it's not because Matthew's not trying to trace necessarily mm -hmm. the biological DNA from Abraham to David to Joseph. He's showing us this mm -hmm. kingly line that is in exile, mm -hmm. deportation, mm -hmm. and now the return of the king. Mm -hmm. That's that's what Matthew's trying to accomplish yeah. there. Yeah, and for us, you know, yeah, and you're you're doing good with this. For uh, for us, our um, you know we read Matthew one the genealogy and we mm -hmm. think oh all all it's designed to do is to elicit faith in us so that we know that the Messiah has come and the rule of God has begun in a new way and that's what I liked mm -hmm. about reading this early stuff thinking wow this picking up on this word Genesis the yeah. Genesis the new beginning the new creation the new Genesis. Uh, let's get to the Luke, uh, the Luke one. So yeah. uh, again, if you're thinking about the difference, and Jonathan, what I, and I mean that sincerely, you're you're 
you were doing a good job explaining what can we expect of the Gospels? Yeah. Do we expect the same type of record keeping or historical biography that uh, that we might read? Like I'm, I'm reading a biography of George Washington right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, is that what we expect? Well, this scholar, uh, Jonathan Pennington, uh, I'm, I'm just reviewing a book that I read a couple of years back, I, a, a, an excellent book, Reading the Gospels Wisely. Mm-hmm. And Pennington calls the Gospels uh, bio, Bios Plus. They are biographies, but they're biographies with a preaching purpose mm-hmm. to transform us. And the way in which they record history is determined by this message. So it, we, we can't say that they are, that, uh, I mean, we, we, we say, we read the Bible and say, no, they are portraying history, but they're portraying history with a purpose. Good news. And, it, and it's not pure history the way we usually think of history. Uh-uh. That doesn't mean it's not true. It just means when you get to Luke chapter 3, verse 23, now the genealogy is picking up in the, in the opposite order of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And this one starts with Joseph being the son of Joseph. But then notice it ends in verse 30 all the way back to the son of Adam, the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so now here's, uh, here's Luke framing constructing a genealogy to fit in with uh, the baptism of Jesus, which is at verse 21 and 22 of the same chapter. So right before the genealogy is the announcement from heaven, Mm -hmm. you are my beloved son. And then the genealogy ends with the son of God. God. So Luke, Mm -hmm. what's important for us as readers is Luke is crafting a genealogy to fit into uh, to fit into his story. Now, one other thing, because I, mm-hmm. and then I want you to share what you learned from your readings. Um, you'll notice in chapter four when it starts. If you happen to, if you're reading Luke and wondering about the genealogy, just note that the Son of God language starts in verse 22. The genealogy doesn't get there until verse 38, but then it it's picked up again. The same language, Son of God, is in the temptation of Jesus. The big deal is. The devil says, if you are the son of God. Well, that's been established in verse 38. Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful crafting of the genealogy to fit into the narrative, though. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. all right. So that's the best I can do yeah. with the difference between, you know, between the two. I think those are the major theological differences. Yeah. Well, and that's that I think highlights the point that the Gospels are doing something. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they're they're eliciting faith in us. Mm-hmm. They're driving us in that direction they're not necessarily trying to answer biological mm-hmm. you know lineage like we would want to know right um and so in a little bit of my reading you know there's it's all conjecture because mm-hmm. we just don't know right um but the one the one thought was well it's possible that joseph had two fathers and one matthew's tracing one and he's sure. t- tracing the other so two civil fathers mm-hmm. one is um, you know, he might have died at yeah. a young age, and so yeah. you got the Levite, yeah. or you know, one of the yeah. laws where a brother has to you yeah. know, marry and produce a son. That's right. So that's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thought was, you know, another idea was maybe you know Matthew is tracing this kingly line, and Luke is actually tracing more of a biological line mm-hmm. um, with some of his research. Yeah. And so again, there are ideas. Yeah. 
Um, nothing's for sure. No, but so my so all of that conjecture is fine. I, I'm, I would rather uh, settle with, if we were studying loose gospel, I would say, look at how the genealogy fits into the story, and you'll notice the emphasis on the Son of God. Yeah. When we go back to Matthew, mm-hmm. it's very, very clear that what we're seeing here is we're seeing the Son of David. So we know it in verse 1, we know it in uh, verse 6, and then we know it also in uh, verse 20. Joseph, son of David. Joseph is identified as the son of David. So you can see Matthew is, and many, many folks, and you remember this from your studies, many folks have presented Matthew as, you know, this emphasis on kingship. Yeah. Well, you can see it certainly with the son of David uh, there and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, of course, to do the same thing that we did with Luke, uh, headed into Matthew 2, uh, just remember that our faith this week is 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 being place uh, in this king. Mm-hmm. So you move into chapter two, and the first thing that you see is, the first story of Matthew is, there's a, the, the ruling king is now threatened by the birth of this king, yeah. and now we have to deal with which character in the story are we going to identify with. It's yeah. going to be pretty cool to see this. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so mm-hmm. this is just, I think, worth noting for a, a moment here. To go back to the series in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, what was it called? The uh, you know the deconstruction, uh, contending for the, the faith. contending for the faith. That's right. And so I think it's just at least worth noting here that one of the reasons why why people growing up in the church they they come to this they hit this wall and they say you know here's a genealogy in mm-hmm. Matthew, here's a genealogy in Luke, and mm-hmm. they're contradictory. Therefore, the Bible's not accurate. Therefore, right, I'm out. Right, and they're not actually it stuns me how many people but i understand why Mm -hmm. just they read it at face value but they don't consider why it's there and i think the work you just did explaining why matthew includes it where he includes it Mm, the way he Mm -hmm. he he, you know uh you know puts it together is different than matthew's because it has a different purpose it's trying to accomplish something that's Again, going back to a first century reader, they aren't batting an eye at this. They they would they would see what Luke's doing and understand it and say, okay, he made his point. Mm-hmm. And the same with Matthew. And so, yeah, I think for me and for many others, that's just a reason to when we come across something like that, rather than just write it off as, uh oh, I'm in trouble here. Yeah, to you know, dig dig a little deeper, do some deconstructing, and then reconstructing in right. a healthy way. Yeah, um, and so yeah, you just keep asking yourself, uh, what is the Bible? It's like one of the most foundational yes. questions in the world, mm-hmm. especially for our world, uh, for us in our world here. I mean, what is the Bible? Keep asking that question, especially if you're trying to make sense of some of the data. If you answer the question, what is the Bible? Uh, if you answer that question according to its own record, then you can expect the history to be framed in a way that fits the sermon that's being preached in, mm-hmm. this, in the scripture rather than the other way around. Yeah. So like I would just answer that question, what is the Bible? It's a, it's a faith-producing, faith-driving text that points me to... My Savior points me to God, to Jesus. And add to that for the purpose of transforming us into Christ-like people for his glory. Mm -hmm. And we've probably said this in the past too. 
is there history in the Bible? Yes, there is. Yeah. Is this a history text? No, no it's, it's not. not. No, it's a, it's a, um, as you said, it's a faith building sermon, actually, mm-hmm. a, a faith building record of redemptive history yeah. that's constructed in a way that God's purposes are announced yeah. very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. But it does raise great, and you're bringing up a great point about, boy, we read it and we wonder what in the world is happening. Well, let's remember what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let, let's, uh, you know, head to the finish line here. Yeah. We may not be close, though. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so I was just thinking about what is Matthew doing in in chapter one. Mm-hmm. So Matthew is mm-hmm. a it's a narrative, it's a story. Yeah. Um, and we, you and I, were talking about plot lines last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. at the beginning here is he setting up the setting of the the story? As it, it, it has the tension starting? He's introduced us a little bit to the. The plot conflict and kind of the rise in action. Yeah. So uh, you could do a couple of things. And if we were doing, you know, if we were doing a class like this, I would Mm -hmm. say try a couple of options. Let's pretend it's Monday morning and we're trying to figure this out. And so uh, the first thing is I would key off from uh, the, the tension that begins with all the language about the deportation. So think about this, right? You have the promises of God to David and to Abraham from verse one. That's the implication in verse one. All of these promises were made to these two great patriarchs. But you come to you come to through this story, by the time you get to the end of the genealogy and you're dealing with deportation to Babylon. And so what happened to the promises? That's where your tension really starts. Mm-hmm. So I would take a shot at this and say, the storyline, the, 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 the rising action begins with the deportation language. And how can God keep his, how can God be faithful when his people are deported? How can he be faithful when his people are still in exile? Mm-hmm. That's sort of a, a huge tension builder. Mm-hmm. I would start there. The next thing I would do is I would go to, uh, and I'm not sure what's, what else is coming, but I would go to uh, the rest of this chapter. So in the second sermon that we did, and I would pick up on this incredible confusion uh, angst coming about the virgin birth. Mm. And now mm-hmm. it's like, what, how in the world, why did it have to be like this? Which I tried to give, I think I tried to give four, four reasons for why, why, what's the significance of the virgin birth? I, I think I gave four reasons on Sunday and mm-hmm. trying to do my best with this text. And, um, in order for the Messiah to function as God with us, who can still save us, then Jesus has to be both God and perfect man. Yeah. And that's why that virgin birth, this section is so critical. So I would, I think what I would be doing, I think I would take this storyline and hold everything uh, together with the deportation and exile language. Okay. That the, one of the results of the return of the king is that, this unique Messiah, God-Man, is able to save us from our sins. Yeah. And let's watch this unfold. And yep. what does that mean for following him? That's mm-hmm. sort of the way I would flesh that out, the whole Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. And so just continuing that line of thought with Beyond Sunday in mind, he saves us from our sins. And I believe you said this on Sunday. Yes, that is, uh, he saves us from the condemnation that's yeah. rightfully ours yeah. due to our sin, but he also saves us from this, 
the sin, the the joy robbing, yeah, soul destroying, all of that that we talked about. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, you gave us Joseph because this is really that section is centered on Joseph. It is. And there's a go and do likewise character, a just man, just, um, which just drew my drew my mind back to Micah six eight, with, you know, is God pleased by What's actually verses six through eight. Is God pleased by, you know, a myriad of sacrifices or lavish offerings? He's not. Mm -hmm. What does he require of us? He requires um, someone who does justice, who loves kindness, and walks humbly with God. And that was Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. So we, those are some good footsteps to follow. And I mean, I can't imagine being in his shoes. And uh, I mean, are there parallels today? Not even, not, there's no, you know, distinct parallel, no. but we're going to find ourselves in places where we're going to have to walk wisely, remain humble, yeah. and just stay just and righteous like Joseph did in yeah. a really, really tough spot. So, oh, yeah. I mean, he's a great example for us right from the start of someone who hears a word from God and believes it. Mm-hmm. Let's just start from that. Uh, Are you able to function this week beyond Sunday, believing in the promises of God that he will, he will do what he said. And I think the greatest promise, and I I said this on Sunday night to our care and share group, when he's announced as Emmanuel, which means God with us, Mm -hmm. one of the great things that we can do throughout the week is just keep asking ourselves, reminding ourselves, you know, do I believe that God in the person of Jesus is walking with me today? Do Mm -hmm. I believe that? And then what does that do for my lifestyle? Think about the stability that that gives if I really believe that God is with me, keeping his promises. And what does it mean for God to be powerfully with us? And uh, that is that mm-hmm. is one of the greatest things in the world to think that you have. Here is the, uh, the Almighty protecting you spiritually in the midst of a very dark world providing for us spiritually and often providing everything that we need. Uh, he, he's doing all of that, this provision and protection in a dark world. Mm-hmm. There's great stability in that. And uh, not only the stability, but that is really, the, that's our ultimate hope. Yeah. That in this badly broken world, God is with us in the person of Jesus and he is, he's functioning as the king. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's great news. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where I wanted to wrap up. We've been a little longer in the past few weeks. Yeah. So if you're still with us, thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. You made it to the end. But those are good words to take with us beyond Sunday. Are we remembering that God is with us? Mm-hmm. And are we living in light of that? Uh, because it does. It changes the way we go from day to day and even moment to moment. So the Lord is with you. Yes. All right. All yes, right. Randy, thank you. Rocking a nice cardigan today. It's the first time I've had it on this winter. I couldn't believe it. I thought I better get it on. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Used to be one of my favorites. That's right. We're running out of days. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you on Sunday, if not before. Survived roller skating last night. You did. I heard. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.